Hi, I'm Jake Bren, the co-host of the Turbo Team podcast with Alex Powell and Jake Bren. And this is just a podcast where we're going to talk about movies and TV shows, just to get a break from talking about sports and talking about nonsense. We hope you enjoy the first episode of the Turbo Team podcast. Hello and welcome to the Turbo Team podcast. This is episode one. I'm Jake Brand, alongside me, Alex Powell. How are you doing today, Alex? Doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good. Stuck in this quarantine life. Had time to watch a lot of movies, watch a lot of TV. That's why we have this podcast, man. Yeah, the the we need movies. <laughs> we do <laughs> we need, need movies. movies podcast. We do we need do. movies in this quarantine. So All today, right, so we're gonna. Yeah. Right, the rundown that we're going to go over today, we watched one movie for this week, and it's Goodfellas. It's on Netflix. It's a film directed by Martin Scorsese. It stars Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci, just to name a few. After that, we'll get into some of our favorite movies of all time and some of our favorite TV characters of all time. But in the meantime, let's go to you, Alex, for what were your thoughts on this classic all-time movie? So Goodfellas is really, it's a really, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I didn't put it in my top movies just because, you know, we're we're going to spend so much time talking about it. I thought it wouldn't be fair to put it in my top movies. But it's really good. The acting's phenomenal. Scorsese does another just perfect job directing uh, a, a mob movie, which he's so famous for. I just, he, he's really perfected the art of the, of the, you know, the gangster flick. And yeah, I mean, you even look at the cast, you, you're, you're head by Ray Liotta. Also, and then your other two leads are Joe Pesci and uh, Robert De Niro. And then there's, like, uh, going back and watching the movie, I, like, recognize different actors every time. Like, in the one scene, uh, uh, the big scene where they uh, they have the big heist, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. The getaway the getaway driver, the the black guy. That's actually uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, so just, like, I didn't, like, I, I've seen Goodfellas probably, like, 12 times, and I just watched, this last time I just watched it, I was like, I think that's Samuel L. Jackson. And so, like, every time I watch it, I feel like I recognize, like, a, a different actor in it. And it's just, there's, like, so many just, like, big-name actors. Hey, honestly, a good way to kind of, like, uh, compare it to is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the film by uh, Quentin Tarantino this past summer, uh, because there were so many. Watched that uh, last week. Just, there's so many just, like, you know, like big name actors that are only in it for like a couple scenes only have like a couple lines and that that's kind of a good good movie to compare it to as far as you know casting so there's just a ton of big names i mean there's i think scorsese does a really good job of uh you know inserting it's a because at its root it's a really serious movie i mean it's like it's the mob and it's about uh ray Liotta's character uh henry hill kind of his upbringing and growing up in new uh, in new york city and you know his upbringing in the mob and kind of his life life there and we get to see him you know meet his wife and have his kids and we, he goes to jail uh once or twice i think and you know so it, it's kind of a serious movie and so i think scorsese does a really good job not only in this movie but all those movies of implementing some humor in it and kind of keeping it on a lighter note and uh i mean we'll, we'll go through some of our favorite scenes in, in it later so i won't i won't spoil too much about it right now but i think i think overall scorsese just does a phenomenal job also he shot it on film which every time i think you shoot a movie on film it makes it like 10 times better so absolutely as you know um one of my favorite shows is the simpsons i know you're not a big fan of it but the simpsons has a huge knockoff of kind of the sopranos when it comes to their own mob scene and they've got fat tony and johnny tightlips just to name a few. 
and they really hammer home like the comedy and just like the irony of the mob and i like how this is like the polar opposite and it really does mm. nail down like just how brutal it is and how mm. there's real consequences i think probably the most underrated part of this movie is henry's relationship with karen i think mm. that it would be really easy in a two and a half hour movie to cut out all the stuff with their relationship but everything in it is just gold in between their development from when they started dating and how he stood her up like a mobster, but they, mm-hmm. she came back to him anyways. And the really like, marriage was based off of just brokenness, cheating and the mobster lifestyle. Yeah. I really liked how, uh, how the whole movie is narrated by Ray Liotta's character, Henry Hill. But I love how when, when in certain scenes where it's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, Karen, like she does a voiceover too, and it kind of gives us her perspective. And I thought that was a really neat, neat touch by uh, Scorsese. Yeah. So, what else did you like about this movie? I, I, for, there wasn't a lot of it, but I did like the humor. Like I said earlier, just like the irony of the mob scene. And Joe Pesci's character Tommy was just so freaking funny. He's mm-hmm. phenomenal. And just like even just the brutal, terrible scenes, like where he murders Spider. I'm just like laughing before he does it. And we can talk about that scene later, but Robert De Niro's acting in the scene where he kills spiders, just, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Joe Pesci definitely, in a way, he is as as big of a comic relief as you can have in a serious, you know, gangster flick like this. So, but, you know, it's... Because he's short. Yeah, it's the classic, he's like, he's short and he's got a, a big temper. It's the classic uh, Napoleon syndrome, so... Uh, I, I, it's just funny. And uh, if you want to, if you want to point out a negative about it, Joe Pesci kind of has, he kind of plays the same character in all of his movies. I know, uh, we were talking before we started recording. I think the only other Joe Pesci movie you've seen is Home Alone. But, uh, but like in his, like Casino and Once Upon a Time in New York. And he kind of, he kind of plays the same, the same kind of character, like the short guy with the big temper. While while he only has kind of one 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 like uh, way to act, it's I think he does a great job at it. So I can't I can't it, knock it too much. It works really well in this type of movie, and the fact that it's based off of a true story, like everything that Pesky's character did in this movie happened. Mm-hmm. The murder of Billy Bats and the murder of Spider. He was a brutally evil man. There were times because this is my first time seeing it. You've seen it eleven, twelve times. But there were times where I forgot when I was watching it that it was a true story. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. There's times it, where it's like this. This really happened. Jeez. Yeah. And like in my criticism of the movie, like when he murdered Spider, I'm like, don't really understand what Scorsese was doing there. And then I just yeah. flip it back and realize, oh, like that actually happened. And I think that's what I really like about the movie. And one thing Scorsese does a really good job of, you forget that it's based on a true story. Movies that are supposed to be based off a true story, I think that's the best possible way you can make a movie yeah the the, the scene with spider we can kind of get into that if you want because we've, we've already each of us have brought it up a little bit but uh the, the scene with spider it's it's honestly it's two scenes with like a break in the middle because there's the first scene where where uh joe pesci's character tommy shoots him in the foot and then you know he's in a boot and they got to take him to the hospital and but I, I I I don't know. It's a it's I when I first watched Goodfellas, I was watching that scene. And I was like, oh okay, Spider's kind of this young kid. He's yeah, I don't know if he works directly with him, but he's at least around him and stuff. And he, he kind of reminded me of like maybe he was trying to get into it, kind of like what uh, Henry Hill was in the beginning. He's kind of doing all this like he's getting drinks, he's taking people's orders, stuff like that, because he's trying to be a part of it. 
And so that's what it kind of, that's what he kind of reminded me of was Henry Hill in the beginning. And then cut to the second scene, he's got the boo and he's starting to kind of, you know, fire back. And then obviously Joe Pitchy ends up killing him. And it's, I don't know. I like, I, I didn't really, when he, when they killed Spider, like it made me sad. It was like the only time in the movie I was like, Oh, I kind of, I kind of like Spider. I wish they didn't kill him. He's only a kid. I think that's the point they're trying to get across. These are kids that are giving, getting involved in the mob. I, I was just reading more about the movie after I watched it. And I think Henry Hill was 14 when he started to get involved with the mob scene and 14 is a really young age. So seeing, we don't know how old spider was when it happened, but he was somewhere probably in between ages 16 and 20. The, the kid that played young Henry Hill, I think he was like 15, 16 when, when they were shooting the film. So I don't know if that's supposed to be age Henry is, but then it cuts to the part where he's like young and coming up and stuff. And he's like, look, mom, I got a suit and stuff like that. You know, and then it cuts to the scene. I think the scene right after is uh, them in that diner, you know, with the Joe Pesci. And it's the scene where it's like, what do you mean I'm funny? Like that. But Henry Hill's supposed to be, or uh, yeah, Henry Hill's supposed to be only 21 in that scene. So that scene's only like five years later. And so I guess I guess that's another criticism I have is like, how can you go from like a 16 year old kid to Ray, Lo- Ray Liotta, who I think was like in his third, like mid to late 30s? maybe 40 yeah. years and he's like he's supposed to be playing this 21 year old guy and credit scorsese one a good thing uh, a nice thing uh scorsese does really well is he he like he's not afraid to like put makeup on his characters to make them seem younger and the irishman uh de niro joe pesci and uh al pacino all their characters all their faces were uh it wasn't makeup they were uh it was like 3d animated almost like they they went in and fixed all the wrinkles and stuff to make them look younger and so scorsese isn't afraid to kind of dress his characters up a bit to make him seem kind of younger so I, I i guess you don't really think about it until you look up how old he was when they filmed that scene when they were filming but yeah i think i think a lot of it the scene where just towards the beginning it's kind of like a much lighter there's a lot more sunlight involved you can definitely mm-hmm. see the wrinkles on leota's face but i kind of forgot like the fact that he was 35 or 40 as the movie went along and they were filmed in a lot of basements a lot of dark areas he mm-hmm. He didn't look younger, but you couldn't really tell that he was older. That was a little bit of my criticism of the film. The difference between Henry Hill at 16 and Henry Hill at 21 was 50 years of age, it seemed like. So we, we've we've kind of we've kind of got got into our a little bit of what we didn't like. Do you want to? Is there anything you like? You, you want to get? Let's let's get into like what we really didn't like about the movie. So if you if you want to um, go with like what your like biggest like criticism about the movie. I don't know if this is a fair criticism because I haven't seen it twice, but the pacing of the ending I thought happened way too fast. Starting with the whole narcotics and everything after the helicopter chase scene, I think Mm -hmm. that just happened way too fast with getting lunch with Jimmy, finding out he's going to die, turning him in, and then moving away. I thought that Mm -hmm. could have been a little more fleshed out, especially the scene with De Niro and Leota at lunch. I really, really love Goodfellas. I, it's one of my favorite movies, like I said earlier, but the last, like, 20, 30 minutes of it, it it's the part where, where Henry starts becoming addicted to cocaine. Like, from that point to the end of the movie, while I, I completely adore, love and adore the like the the parts before that, that part after, I kind of get not, not bored, but just kind of disinterested. I'm like... I, I don't know. There's just a part, there's just something about it that I'm just like, ah, it's not as it's not as interesting as the beginning is. I mean, here he is just paranoid. Now his wife is addicted to coke too, and they're kind of just being paranoid together. And I, I don't I don't know. It's just it's not my favorite. And I think a good way to compare the ending 
uh, I think, have you ever seen War Dogs with Jonah Hill and Miles Teller? I haven't. It, so, I, I I don't want to spoil the ending for you then, but uh, it's a good movie, though. You should check it out. We might review it, because it's, it's, it's another good movie I really like. But uh, the ending is kind of, there, there, there's kind of a, there's kind of a fallout between the main characters, and then, and then, you know, some like other stuff happens, and the ending is like abruptly over, and it's, it's in a realistic ending. Both movies are, are based off true stories, so it kind of, kind of think maybe it's kind of the director is kind of, you know, speeding it up and kind of be just ending it abruptly because like, you know, they don't want to show all the parts in between where they're just like, they're just like, you know, not going out in public and just hiding in their house and doing nothing all day, and you know. You know that stuff, and so I, I just didn't like how how you know he turned him in, and then uh well he he didn't turn him in, but he became addicted, he became paranoid, and then you know uh, that uh Karen thinks that Jimmy's trying to like kill her or something like or put a and then you know he says that you know and then Henry's character gets the sense that maybe Jimmy's gonna probably put a hit out on him, and then Henry take goes to the you know, goes to the government or the police or whatever and turns him in and gets him all arrested and then and then it just ends with him just like out in a doorstep on witness protection that's it i i, I guess you, you said you didn't like the pacing i guess i, I would agree i think it i think it just kind of came to an abrupt end and i i don't i don't even know how i would end it if i was scorsese but it was just something about the ending that just wasn't like fulfilling after i enjoyed the rest of the movie so much yeah i think one thing worth noting is also just how many characters died. So you mm. go from having 10, 11, like, important main characters throughout mm. the entire movie, and then the end, it's pretty much just Henry, Karen, Jimmy, and uh, Polly. There also is just a lot less scenes to do once um, Tommy dies. I, I, uh, watching it this last time, uh, I, I didn't realize how... I, I could have sworn that Tommy died closer to the end, but there's like another, there's like a half hour like after they kill Tommy, and there's just the movie. There is quite a bit of time after that, and it just I think right after that is when the movie just drags on and takes a while. All right, so you wanna you wanna give a give your rating out of ten? I'm gonna go with an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, I, I think I, I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I really I really did like this movie. The more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. And so I, th- I think I'm going to give a nine, uh, a, a nine, maybe maybe a nine, nine and a half out of ten, uh, taking off that last point, point, uh, half a point for just kind of the. I didn't really care for the ending. I do have one question. Did you find yourself feeling bad for Jimmy and Polly as they're getting turned in? Um, I think. Well, so here's the thing: is they're mobsters. They kill a lot of people, you know. So if you feel bad for them, then it's like, I mean, these guys like committed a lot of murders, and they had like they put hits on people and uh, hits out on people, and they, uh, you know, they they do a ton of illegal activity. So I mean, they're getting arrested. It's kind of like, well, that's what they get to, what they they got what they deserve. But also, they're also the, all the protagonists of the film, so it's kind of like you're rooting for them. Uh, I I wouldn't say I felt bad for them because towards the end of the movie you're kind of rooting for henry and you know they're like jimmy tries to put a hit out on him it's like oh what the what the heck you know and so i i guess i wouldn't i didn't uh i didn't feel bad for him i guess to kind of sum it up but it, it definitely wasn't like my favorite thing yeah it's one of those weird dynamics with mm-hmm. a movie where criminals are the protagonists 
because you want to root for them and you want them to win at the same time, especially when it's based on a true story. A lot of innocent, good people yeah. died. It's weird because I did in the moment find myself like, oh, wow, I feel I feel bad for De Niro. I feel bad for Polly. But then mm-hmm. you have to look back and realize, oh, they're getting convicted of murder that they did and they absolutely deserve. Yeah, murder and, you know, bribing and robbery and uh so i guess i guess we can end it right right after this uh who's your favorite character give me two times get the papers Jimmy, get the papers get, get the papers get the papers i'm gonna go get the papers get the papers all no right. all i think serious. i think it's pretty hard to go against tommy's character there's a reason mm-hmm. that joe pesky won best supporting actor at the oscars for this i found i found weight in the scenes where he killed Spider and where he killed killed Billy Bats, and also he was the comic relief of the movie that was needed, just because it is a it's a heavy, dark, serious type of movie. And the mm. the light humor that wasn't really light that Tommy brought was, I think, very important. I I think I'd have to go with uh. I think I'd have to go with uh, Robert De Niro's character and uh, Jimmy. For, uh, for some reason, just uh, the more I watch, the more I really, I really like Jimmy's character. And yeah, he tried to have them all killed at the end, but up until that, he's kind of like, while Paulie's kind of like, you know, Henry's dad, Jimmy's kind of like his like his like brother that he's really close with, and and like an older brother. And I really, I really like the way how Jimmy kind of looked out for Henry and kind of, you know, they they worked together really well. And you know, it's kind of like. Uh, like I, I I don't know I really I really like Jimmy's character and I was, and then I kind of I can kind of forget the ending where he tries to kill off everyone but uh I I just liked how he how he's he, he uh if you were if you were if you had his back he had yours and I really like that that uh that connection they had so okay, for a mob movie most of the main characters were very likable and that's yeah. to the credit of Robert De Niro Ray, Ray Liotta Joe Pesci not the real life Henry Hill and all those people. Yeah. So do you want to, do you want to get into uh, our fun facts? We both have a fun, uh, we both have a fun fact that we're going to ask in a question form. So, yeah. So my fun fact, I'm going to ask it in a question. What is Pen 30 for 30 that this film inspire? They referenced it a little bit in the movie, but not too much. Oh, what part in the movie did they reference it? It was, I think towards the middle, where after they got out of prison, I believe. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, this is this is a bad guess, but I'm just gonna say because I can't think of anyone else, anything else. Is it uh, Bad Boys, the one about the Pistons? No, it's not. <laughs> All right, what's what's the? It's answer? actually it's actually playing for the mob, and it's one that I watched four or five years ago. And it's about the point shaving scandal that Boston okay. College had in the 1978 season, I want to say. Okay. I don't think I've heard of that one. And apparently Henry Hill was like directly involved. And I need to go back and rewatch it. Oh, really? I was, re- I was reading about it. <laughs> and it says that like you can't watch Playing for the Mob without seeing Goodfellas first because um, Ray Liotta actually is the narrator of the 30 for 30. Oh, that's that's genius. That's a good job by ESPN. Yeah. yeah. So it has been a while since I've seen it. And back when I, I 
think in like seventh or eighth grade is when I went on like my huge 30 for 30 binging. And I didn't necessarily like all the serious ones, but as I get older, I like the serious ones more. So I'm going to have to go rewatch that. What's your favorite 30 for 30? You already referenced that. I think it's Bad Boys. Bad Boys? I think I think yeah. I'd have to go with uh, I hate Christian Leitner. That's a good one I think too. That, that's a really good one. All right, so like, uh, we what, could do like a ten-hour podcast about thirty for thirty. Thirty for thirties. I need to watch all of them again. I haven't seen a thirty for thirty in a long time. The MJ one's about to be phenomenal. I can't wait. Except oh, yeah. for Justin Justin Timberlake's in it for some reason, so I can't wait to figure out why. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, so, so my fun fact. fact. All right. Uh, which actor had to be taken to the hospital during filming? And then a f- uh, bonus points if you can get the if you can get the uh, the scene right. I'll give you a hint. It's not one of the main characters. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask if it was a main character. I've got no idea. All right, just take a guess. It doesn't have to be right. Let's let's go with Johnny two or Jimmy two times. He did get the papers, get the papers. No, it actually was. So, uh, Michael Impor, uh, M- Imperioli, uh, he's the guy that played Spider. He, uh, oh, the scene where, uh, the scene where Tommy shoots him, uh, he, yeah, he obviously, f- uh, he was he carrying glasses over. and he, he falls back. Uh, so he, he shoots him and then he falls back and he, the, the glasses were actual glass and they broke and ended up cut his hand and, uh, they, they took him to the hospital and he, he still had the, it was like immediately. So they didn't like clean him up or anything. And he had the gunshot wounds from, uh, from the scene, like still in his chest. And so the, the, the doctors and nurses thought he was there because he got shot and they're like, no, 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 it's fake. We're, we're filming a movie. It's fake. And then they said, oh, okay. And they made him wait, uh, wait three hours before he could get treated for, uh, the cut on his hand. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That that fun fact is brought to you by movieweb.com. Huh? By what web? Movieweb.com. Movieweb.com. Brings you that fun fact. All right, so let's I'm get into the topic. I'm going to have to go rewatch playing for the mob after this, but as you said, let's get into yeah. our top five movies of all time. What's yours, Alex? All right, so number one, actually I'll go I'll go from five to one. So number five, I gotta go uh, another mob movie, kind of kind of differently. Is uh, but uh, I gotta go with Scarface. I think Al Pacino does a phenomenal job in that movie, and just the the color the coloring, the cinematography, the look, the feel, the whole movie. I just, I just really love, and it's obviously got so many iconic quotes and scenes and just like stills from it that you still see around, and I I really like that. Number four, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Zodiac, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Robert De Niro. I think that's about it. But Zodiac is one of those movies for me that it is it is extremely rewatchable. And I, there's at one point I think uh, this summer actually where I watched Zodiac like three times within like two weeks just because I and I just really love the movie. It, I mean it, Robert it, Downey Jr. is in that, isn't he? Yeah, he uh, he's not, he's in it for like the first two acts and then like he kind of disappears for the third act. But uh. That's another one based off the true a true story. I think I think Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that is just just phenomenal. Number three, I'm gonna have to go uh, a little on the lighter side. I'm gonna have to go uh, Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, and uh, whatever McLovin's name is, and I'm gonna have to go with uh, Superbad. I think Su- Superbad's just another super rewatchable movie for me. Where uh, just every time I watch it, I, I you know I laugh for for the the entire movie. It's just so funny and. Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen did such a 
Actually, it was Seth Rogen. It wasn't Judd Apatow, but Seth Rogen does such a good job, and Bill Hader's in it. I'm a massive, uh, I'm a massive Bill Hader fan, and so uh, I, I, it's just every everything about that movie is perfect. I just there's nothing I wouldn't change. Or I know they've talked about a sequel uh, a little bit. Don't do a super bad sequel. It's gonna ruin it. It's not gonna be as good. Never They're make, hard. yeah. Never make comedy sequels. They're not worth I, it. I I don't know. Daddy's Home Two was pretty funny. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, number two, I'm gonna have to go with Inglorious uh, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, uh, Christoph Waltz and uh, Brad Pitt, kind of in featuring B.J. Novak, otherwise known as Ryan from The Office. But uh, I think I think Squir- or not Scorsese, uh, Tarantino is you know the greatest director alive. Maybe maybe besides Scorsese, but Inglorious Bastards is another movie. It's a super rewatchable. Super. I don't think Tarantino. I think Tarantino is the best in the in the whole movie industry of creating really serious and gory movies, but like implementing so much like humor into it. They like you kind of forget that you're watching like a movie about Nazis, you know, and World War Two. And so I, I, Glorious Bastards is Brad Pitt's phenomenal in it. The, uh, have you ever seen it? Yeah, I have. The the part where they're at the movie theater and it's like, uh, what is uh. When they're they're trying to speak Italian, and the one guy that doesn't speak any Italian is like the most uh, believable out of all of them. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just a small scene that I think about sometimes, and it gives me a good chuckle. And then number one, I'm gonna have to make good yeah. Movies. Yeah, and then number one, I'm gonna have to go for uh, with the Coen Brothers film No Country for Old Men. Uh, the Coen Brothers are really interesting because they do they do like great movies like No Country for Old Men and uh, the the Ballad of Buster Scruggs that came out two years ago that I really really loved, and, but they also do weird movies like Burn After Reading and uh, and Hail Caesar, which are just like you're watching it and you're like what what is this this is weird, but No Country for Old Men is. I, in my opinion, the most perfect movie. Josh Brolin's phenomenal in it. Uh, I, I can't give his name right now, but the guy that plays Anton Chigurh, the the main antagonist in the movie, is just awesome. It's got a cameo by Woody Harrelson. He's in it for a few scenes, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is kind of it, kind of you know playing ch- uh, Chase Chaser the whole time. And I I don't know, you know, because your old men's so good, bro. And I just it's it's perfect. I, I love every part about it. It's another one of those movies where I wouldn't change a single thing about it. So my number five is, or actually my first two are on the lighter side. My first one is Major League. It's a 1990s film. Charlie Sheen is the star. It's about the Cleveland Indians and their owner who is trying to sell them to Miami. And in doing that, their attendance has to be so bad. So they create the worst possible lineup and there's a scene just at the beginning and it's the, it's the Spanish groundskeepers and they're like, who are these guys? They're terrible. And it's like the, the subtitles are in English, but they're talking in Spanish and it's just Mm -hmm. a really funny movie and they end up getting good somehow. And Charlie Sheen as the wild thing before Charlie Sheen went crazy. But then that's probably my favorite comedy of all time. My my number four movie, it's also somewhat of a comedy, but it's also, without a doubt, the best MCU movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not a huge fan of all the MCU movies, especially as they continue to make them. They are kind of mediocre, but I think Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely the most unique they've ever made. And it's directed by James Gunn with Chris Pratt, 
it's such a good movie and i rewatched it just a couple weeks ago mcu humor sucks just the kind mm-hmm. of like you know what i'm talking about the disney humor james gunn nails whatever sense of humor he has and just mm-hmm. every scene in this movie hits outside of um ronan the killer just as the main villain he's kind of a mediocre stereotypical marvel villain I think I think Guardians of the Galaxy does have probably the, some of the best humor out of all of the out of all of the Marvel movies. I'm not even a big Marvel Marvel guy. Like I think like I think like the first two Thor movies are borderline unwatchable just because they're not good. Oh yeah. Chris, Chris Hemsworth does a good job, but like Natalie Portman and that one chick from Two Bro Girls are in it, and I, I don't know. It's just not it's not my my cup of tea, I guess. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy definitely is probably one of my favorite ones in the whole uh, MCU universe. My third movie of all time is Baby Driver. This is a newer one. It's got Kevin Spacey before we found out he was Kevin Spacey. But this movie, just like the opening scene is a getaway car chase in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. With, and the music in this scene is, or the music in this movie is probably like top five musical scores I think I've ever had in a movie. And this Bell Bottoms, still... Bottoms is a classic American song, and it should be changed to the national anthem. Amen. So <laughs> this scene, it's just like, it's just thriller. Never really know what's going to happen until you rewatch it. But John Hamm is awesome in this movie. John Hamm's one of my most underrated favorite actors. And it's just, it's just a good one all around, and it's got not really a happy ending, which I like to it. I like mm-hmm. movies you, that don't have happy endings. Have you ever seen uh, uh, Mad Men? Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. I'm, I'm 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 dipping in and out of watching it, but yeah, John John Hamm is super underrated actor in Hollywood right now. My second movie, it is Best Picture snub, but it's Whiplash, starring mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons. And talk about like just anxiety-inducing. This movie from the very beginning just like makes you feel like you're in Mr. Pulaski's class. And <laughs> J.K. Simmons just yelling. I can't even remember the name of the protagonist. Mel, uh, Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. He's, a, he's in War Dogs. That's I, So if you like Whiplash, you'll probably love War Dogs. I'll need to watch that. But Whiplash, yeah. it's, it's just another one of those thrillers that I like in the scene the car chase scene where he gets in a crash and then goes to the show anyway, does it, he blows him away, but Simmons is still just in his face yelling. It's mm-hmm. another one of those where even though the protagonist won and the protagonist like did their part, it's still not a happy ending and he still didn't get the happy ending he deserves. You seem to really like movies with uh, not happy endings. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think unless like a happy ending is done perfectly i they always feel forced unless it's like a based on a true story i i liked avengers endgame but we knew they weren't gonna end endgame with a bad ending we we knew they weren't gonna have a dark sad ending which they kind of did but in the end they won and there were sacrifices to be made but i Mm -hmm. i like these movies where you don't really see the positives in the end back back if we go back a little bit, we we're both talking about how we both kind of MCU movies are kind of they're okay, they're not our favorites, but I I, w- I will say that I think Infinity War is 
is phenomenal. I really loved Infinity War, and it goes back to that. It doesn't end happily. It is kind of an unexpected ending, and I, I don't know. I thought I thought Infinity War is really, really like just a fun, fun movie to watch, which I always enjoy. I think I think Infinity War is the best made Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite, but I think Infinity War is the best made, especially balancing that entire cast, getting like I'd say everyone but like Captain America and Black Widow and that separate squad, I think they all got equal screen time. They all got important screen time. And the fact that they broke up into their own small groups and um, had to fight Thanos from different areas. Mm -hmm. And then they had reunions where Thor saw Captain America for the first time in like four years, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Infinity War, it's just a really good movie. And I like that there was very limited fan service yeah and then my final movie it's probably a pretty common top movie it is star wars episode five um empire strikes back this has just always been my favorite star wars movie i don't think it's the most rewatchable just because it is a bit slower and it is kind of a slow cooker but just the way this movie is made it's directed by the late is his name Ivan Kershaw, something like that. I have no idea. But George Lucas is more at the side in this one, and you can tell because the dialogue's good, the acting is really good, and then the story, obviously, with the huge spoiler that Darth Vader's Luke's father, all that, and this goes back again. Wait, Luke, Darth Vader's Luke's father? (laughs) Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. That's scrap, another scrap podcast. My, it's over. Scrap the whole podcast. That's another one of my favorite Simpsons um, references. They do a throwback in like, I think it's like 1995, but they do a throwback to the night Empire Strikes Back came out. And it's like a line of thousands of people waiting to get into the second showing. And Homer Simpson walks out. And he's like, I can't believe Darth Vader's Luke's father. And everyone's <laughs> just like, oh my God, dude. <laughs> yeah, this is another this is another one of those movies where it's just a dark ending. You don't yeah. like you don't see the heroes coming out of this. Han Solo gets sold over to kind of like the mob of the galaxy, Jabba the Hutt. You don't people at the time don't know if Harrison Ford is going to come back for episode 6. That's kind of why they did put him in Carbonite. But you don't know if you're ever going to see Han Solo again. Luke lost a limb. Lando has the Millennium Falcon. You don't know if you can trust him with that. I think this is just like the perfect setup to what was kind of an average finale. But yeah, Strikes Back is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I, I I'm actually going to change my number one to uh the Phantom Menace. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we can. All right. So Duel of the Fates is worthy of mention, just not in the top five of any movie ever. Jewel of the Fates is the third best Star Wars movie. Just that singular that singular scene is the third best oh, Star okay. Wars movie. <laughs> Just ignore the part about hating sand and pod racing. And Jar Jar Binks' whole existence. <laughs> oh my gosh. Alright, uh, so Jar Jar Binks is definitely not anyone's favorite TV character but she's not in a TV show. But <laughs> we're going to transition into our favorite TV characters I had two. I think you have two. We're supposed to just do one, but might as well name both of them. What are yours, Alex? 
So I'm going to have to go with, uh, I know it's kind of a meme at this point, but I am as as beaten down as it is, I'm still a massive Office fan, and I think uh, I think Kevin Malone, Kevin Malone's character in The Office is is the perfect comedic relief because yeah, it's that that you know that always oh, dumb and he says dumb stuff, but for some reason, uh, the writers of The Office just do, do a great job of kind of just like he, he's a guy you don't know what he's gonna say next, and it's you like you're always anticipating like what what kind of stupid stuff is he gonna say next, and it just it's making me laugh just thinking about. Just kind of uh, some of the stuff he says. And then number two, on a more serious note, I'm going to have to go with uh, – I'm uh, rewatching uh, the Netflix series Mindhunter right now for the third time. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's it's about uh, it's about the guys that – it's loosely based on a true story. It's the in, – in real life, it's one guy that did it, but in the, in the show, it's two guys doing it. But it's about the two guys that uh, come up with the term serial killer. It's like in the 70s, and uh, – uh, we can I can talk about that on a later episode. I really love it. The the music's phenomenal. The coloring, the cinematography, the acting's awesome. It's a great premise. But uh, the the main protagonist in season one, not so much season two, but season one is Holden Ford. He's kind of a uh, he's kind of, he's like this young kid working in the FBI. He's kind of the, uh, a boy wonder. He's super smart. He thinks he he kind of has a condescending tone about him, even though like he doesn't mean to. You know, but he thinks he's like. He he thinks he knows best, which but he's like re- really oblivious to it. But I just his character is so smart and he has so many good ideas and he's just it's super interesting just to listen to and kind of the way he thinks and you know processes stuff and understands like and reads people and stuff. I just think it's super interesting and it, it it's really fun to watch. So I just thought of my two favorite, but I also as I was listening to you talk, I think I thought of my third one that I'll just I'll give an honorable mention to Charlie Day. From always sunny okay. in Philadelphia, yeah. he's, that's a good one. There's just not really much you can say about him. He's just paired <laughs> with Danny DeVito and Frank. Their ridiculous ideas, mm-hmm. usually ridiculousness in TV doesn't do it for me, but in Always Sunny, they just do it perfectly. Milk steak, <laughs> milk <Yeah>, steak, <laughs> nightman, champion of the day, man. Yeah, so I think uh, to say about I, Charlie. I think uh, Always Sunny is we can we can say this for another episode, but we'll kind of probably preview it here. Uh, Always Sunny is one of those episodes. It was one of those shows where it probably should have ended, you know, a while back. But it's yeah. still it's still kind of going. It's just not as good. So we can we can get into that because I know you have some you have some thoughts on The Simpsons. So uh, we can we can talk about that later, or like a, in a different episode. But uh, uh, Always Sunny, it's hilarious, but sometimes it's kind of like, all right, guys, maybe maybe pull the plug now. So. Yeah, speaking of shows that should have ended earlier, my favorite TV character of all time is in The Simpsons, and it's Milhouse Van Houten. And Milhouse, because you're not a huge Simpsons fan, do you know who he is? Yeah, I I understand The Simpsons. I just you've seen like every episode, and I've I only watch episodes here and there when they're on like Fox at like 7:30 on a Saturday, and and like after like Super Bowl, like after like football games on Sundays. So I've seen I've seen the episodes. I know I know who the characters are. I just don't get some of the older jokes. Yeah, so Millhouse is Bart's best friend and he plays kind of like the dorky, just not cool guy alongside mm. the super cool kid. And Millhouse just is the best written character in seasons one through eight or nine of The Simpsons. And mm. there's just episodes based around him like his parents getting a divorce or his parents dying on a cruise 
all that <laughs> is just it all it all like his parents obviously come back but yeah. they all just play into who millhouse is and there's the sad side of the millhouse but there's also just like the jokes that they write are so funny there's one where it's just like a punchline that Bart says towards the beginning of an episode, he's like, this is the worst thing I've done since I got Millhouse on the cover of America's Most Wanted. And then like <laughs> 10 seconds later, there's Millhouse running on the playground, getting chased by two guys with guns. And then just like two or three times throughout the episode, they cut back to just like Millhouse in random areas. There's one where he's standing at like the top of the bridge and it's supposed to be playing like the Jason Bourne type of thing. Yeah. And Milhouse is like, I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. And the guy's like, <laughs> I don't care. And then Milhouse falls off the bridge. He's just like, <laughs> most relatable character. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. And my second one, another one you'll be hearing a lot of references from Tim Robinson. And I think you should leave playing Tim Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> this, If you haven't seen this show, it takes like an hour and 20 minutes to watch it through on Netflix. It's only six episodes and there's like three to four skits per per episode yeah and it's by tim robinson a former snl writer and he takes a lot of skits that were rejected from snl in his days there Mm -hmm. and he just makes them his own and they're all kind of based around this kind of awkward like i want to leave the situation and Mm -hmm. tim he's just a funny looking guy which i think is like half (laughs) of his acting and his voice is awesome this scene is so or this show is so funny and tim robinson plays like probably the most quoted character in the history of my speech it's got kind of uh a curb your enthusiasm type feel to it mm-hmm. it's Absolutely. just like it's just like everyone's just like dumb and to like it's and there's always like one character that's kind of like the voice of reason he's like making sense and everyone's like no 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 thanks but i think i and i think you should leave is probably the most quotable just like show or movie i've ever seen there's so many i know it really resonated with our friend group and so there's just so many times where you know we'll just look at each other and we'll just be like figure out what you do you don't talk <laughs> i think the uh the the mob movie scene the mob movie skit is probably one of the funniest things i've ever seen i remember just sitting in my room watching that for the first time and just dying laughing at the at the oh these stink no they're stanzos they're nice <laughs> there was there was one time where i was in class and some <laughs> professor walked in wearing a fedora and i'm just like laughing <laughs> and then i'm looking around and realizing no one is understanding what i'm laughing at stanzo <laughs> who took my cigars oh who took my cigars our Name of this podcast, the Turbo Team Podcast. That's a reference <laughs> to I Think You Should Leave, which is another – it's a funny skit, but it's it's probably not even in my top ten just because there's so many. There's so many just good ones. Yeah. And there's so many ones that, like, I'll forget about and then, like, I'll remember – I'll, like, rewatch it or I'll remember. Like, uh, the one of them is the uh, – the, the uh the one where they're singing and they're like, the night the skeletons came to life. Yeah, that's like, – that one is like, like <laughs> the bones are their money, and it's like Jimmy as in him or Jimmy as in me. Wait, your name's Jimmy too? No, that's why I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, that we could probably do a whole episode about that show. But I we'll could talk about it today for hours. Yeah. Unless do you have anything else to add about the show today, Goodfellas, anything like that? Uh, 
watch Goodfellas. It's on Netflix. It was off for a long time, so go go enjoy it. It's one of my favorite movies, and I think I think most people should see it if you're into into films like that. So, you know, just go watch go go watch Goodfellas. Go support Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, with this time in quarantine, you have no excuse to not be watching some movies. Oh, watch! I think you should leave on Netflix too. Yeah, but that's literally like the time it takes to take a shower. It's it yeah. doesn't take long to watch and it's hilarious. You'll laugh for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, that does it for me. I'm Jake Bren. Alongside me, Alex Powell. Mm-hmm. Out of Indianola, Iowa. Take care, guys. Yep, see you.